Howdy, folks, and thanks for tuning into the sixth episode of Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming history podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kirsten Belisle. And I'm Zach Larson. Uh, both Kirsten and I are collections managers turned internet celebrities for the Fremont County Museum System located in the heart of West Central Wyoming. Our county system has three museums in it, the Riverton Museum, where I work, the Fremont County Pioneer Museum in Lander, and the Dubois Museum and Wind River Historical Center, where Kirsten works. All of our museums focus on telling the stories of early frontier life in Wyoming with a mix of Native American heritage, natural history, and general regional history. Using artifacts from our three museums, interviews with experts, and a load of historical research, we're here to discover, and in some cases rediscover, the quirky, the heart-wrenching, the fascinating history of Fremont County, Wyoming, and the American West. We're coming from you, We're coming to you from the middle of the American West, the land of rough-and-tumble men, but even more tough <clears throat> and humble ladies. The topics we talk about are things right outside our back doors. This week's episode is the last in our Women's History Month series. To round off our road or ode to the impressive women who call Wyoming home, we're actually taking you listeners outside of Wyoming's borders. That's right. We're taking you on an adventure to exotic, colorful, and all-around, always exciting Oklahoma. Wow. Built that one up, didn't you? Don't lock, Don't knock Oklahoma. Wyoming doesn't have a musical named after it. This is very true. Um, but so what brings us to Oklahoma for Wyoming women's history is actually a woman by the name of Ethel E. Renner. And she is? Someone who makes Wonder Woman look bad, which is a pretty impressive thing to do. Born in 1880 and raised in a well-to-do family, Ethel Renner, also her maiden name was Petticord, lost her father at a young age and the resulting financial hardship meant she had to quit school. But that didn't stop her, and by 1900, she became the first woman to sit on the Chicago Board of Trade and partake in and oversee the successful grain trade. That means she was only 20 years old when she did that. Yep, and she would continue to sit on the Chicago Board of Trade for nine years. Impressive, but last I checked, Chicago was in Illinois, which is neither Oklahoma nor Wyoming. Astute as always, Zach. Yes, Ethel's interest in investments and her entrepreneurial spirit actually brought her to Oklahoma in the late 19-teens, having married her husband Edward Renner in 1916. For those of you who don't know, Oklahoma was in, in an interesting situation during the early half of the 1900s. From rags to riches and back to rags, the state was mainly agricultural until the 1920s when prosperous oil fields were discovered around the greater Seminole area. This oil boom began in early 1926. More than 60 oil reservoirs were found in the 1,300 square miles, and seven were giants, meaning they produced more than a million barrels of oil each. One of the giants was located in Earlsboro, Oklahoma, where Ethel Renner decided to not pass on the opportunities that were there. Ethel decided to settle in Earlsboro as it offered the most opportunity for a shrewd businesswoman like herself and her newest investment plan. So what was Ethel's newest investment plan? Oh, it was a hotel. In 1927, Ethel and her mother, Annie Petticord, nee Fredrickson, built the Renfred Hotel, an establishment that cost $150,000 at the time, which was $2 million in today's money, and records call it a clean, law-abiding hotel in which respectable people could make their home, admired as Oklahoma's fanciest. Sounds ritzy. Oh, yes, it was. Based on the pictures and the records, it was impressive, and it brought Ethel and her family a lot of prosperity, 
but it also brought them a lot of trouble because Earlsboro, like most boomtowns, had both law-abiding citizens and... Not-so-law-abiding citizens? Yeah, and despite it being in the middle of Prohibition and in a state where alcohol was illegal even before National Prohibition took effect, Earlsboro had a huge whiskey and gambling ring, and Ethel's Hotel was prime realty for potential alcohol sales, gambling, and ladies of the night. Multiple times, racketeers and other mobsters actually approached Ethel about selling alcohol, hosting gambling nights, and hosting prostitutes in her establishment. And what did she say? No way, Jose, except Ethel said it with a gun in each hand. But the mobsters weren't too fond of that? Not at all. According to a newspaper article from 1930, it became a one-woman war on hundreds of men and other women involved in the vice ring. And it wasn't just men on the street lodging threats at Ethel. Uh, Her family and her staff all dealt with this stuff. But police officers, county officials, and even the mayor were all on the line and involved with the vice ring. However, Ethel still refused to harbor illicit contraband or immoral activities. So what did this vice ring do? In retaliation, they cut telephone and light wires of Ethel's hotel. Hot lead was poured down her sewer pipes. Ethel even received threats on the phone and in person. She was shot at and even had a police dog turned on her. Ethel's brother was almost assassinated and her grandson was even kidnapped. So what did she do? She... Stuck to her guns. Literally, as a awesome woman like her would, she spoke out against the crime ring, sought out help from the county, and then federal officials, after the county officials turned out to be as corrupt as the vice ring leaders, and she finally got about 128 men and women indicted on various crimes, with several city officials forced out of office. And all of these events, the kidnapping, the threats, the indictments, happened in just about two years of time. Well, that's all fair and good, but Oklahoma's a long ways away. Yeah. So before coming to Oklahoma, Ethel and her husband toured around the country looking for adventure as well as investment opportunities. One of those areas included Wyoming. And by going through the county records held in the Fremont County Courthouse, we actually discovered that it was in Wyoming that Ethel bought large chunks of land right here in Fremont County. And her lands in Pavilion, a little community between Riverton and Dubois, produced certified alfalfa. And it was Pavilion, Wyoming, where Ethel and her family ended up living after the oil boom in Earlsboro went bust. That, with the combined effects of the Great Depression, devastated Ethel's finances and forced her to abandon the Red Bread Hotel forever. So wait, she managed to survive the mob, death threats, gangsters, dogs, and corrupt officials and only lose everything still? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. It just goes to show that you can beat all the odds, but still lose everything. Well, that's a sad way to end a story yeah but don't worry there's more because while wyoming could not replace the life and wealth that ethel and her family lost in oklahoma it did offer other benefits ethel ended up living just west of dubois wyoming she officially traded her land to pavilion for a home in dubois in 1941 she remarried and hosted the party of the century where jack h anderson a local man and impressive musician serenaded her guests on various instruments all night Ethel would also stay in Dubois for several years before moving to Thermopolis, Wyoming, a town north of Fremont County, famous for the world's biggest hot springs. And then Ethel's descendants actually still live in Dubois today. She has family uh, 
that live on the ranch just west of Dubois. And while some would say the exciting and daring events of Earlsboro, Oklahoma sound just a little too fantastic to be real, her family keeps old newspaper articles and other records that confirm, verify, and even celebrate Ethel's fight against the mob and corruption. So the reason we chose to discuss Ethel Renner, whose more exciting life events might have happened in other states, is because when even when Ethel had nothing, she still had Wyoming and the opportunities it offered. So often in the records and family histories do we museum staff hear about how people came to the American West in the hopes of a better life. She came for the fresh mountain air, said to keep people healthy and stave off diseases like tuberculosis or typhoid fever, two diseases that wreaked havoc on eastern cities while others came for the economic possibility. The line from the poem The New Colossus by Emma Lazarus says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Made famous by its association with the Statue of Liberty and immigration in Ellis Island, this line definitely applies to the role Wyoming played in many homesteaders' lives. Thanks for sticking with us through the sixth episode of Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming history podcast. So we hope you guys have enjoyed jumping into Wyoming women's history this month. This does conclude our women's history mini-series. If you liked what you heard today, like us on Facebook at Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming history podcast. We also have a YouTube page, a Stitcher account, an iTunes account. Pretty much if you have a podcast app, we are on it. So look us up at Rediscover the Winds and look us up on Facebook because that's where we post pictures of the people, places, and things we talk about in episodes. And we give you guys sneak peeks into future episodes. Okay, we have several more podcast episodes planned for you guys. If, you got, if you've already followed us on Facebook, thank you. Your support means the world to us. We do this because we want to share the stories of Wyoming with you. And we hope you guys get the chance to visit our museums or attend some of our museum's upcoming events. The next upcoming event is at the Pioneer Museum, Lander in 1919. On April 11th at 7 p.m., you can join staff of the Pioneer Museum for a program that illustrates what life was like in Lander 100 years ago. Um, in the Riverton Museum on April 13th, we're hosting a children's program where um, it's part of our hands-on children's exploration series. Uh, people will be able to come and decorate wood birdhouses for their feathered friends. Uh, like our previous event, pre-registration is required due to limited materials, and the cost is $4 per child and $5 per adult. And then the Pioneer Museum is also hosting a walking tour at the Noble Hotel on April 13th at 10 a.m., where you can learn the history of one of Lander's grand old buildings on this trek. So this program is free, but reservations are required. So feel free to call the Pioneer Museum to reserve your spot. Thanks again for listening to this Wyoming History Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, from the Riverton Museum. And I'm your host, Kirsten, from the Dubois Museum and Wind River Historical Center. We look forward to continuing this adventure to rediscover the winds with you next time.